Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to a TAW special uh, show with me, Jay McKenna. You're probably wondering why I'm in the hot seat today. I'm not one of the more illustrious and uh, well-prepared presenters. <laughs> uh, but with Liverpool playing in the FIFA Club World Championships in Qatar next week, Neil uh, got in touch with me and asked if I would present a show to discuss the idea of us playing in Qatar. Uh, there's been lots of discussion and debate and anger in recent years uh, following the decision by FIFA to award the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. Uh, and mainly this has often been in a football context and the ethics of FIFA's decision-making processes. Uh, there has, though, been questions raised about the suitability of Qatar as a country and their track record. Uh, and so joining me to discuss some of these issues and get their thoughts on it are Neil Atkinson and uh, Andy Heaton. Uh, and a disclaimer from me at the outset, I've been fairly outspoken about Qatar, I think, on Ban This Filth shows, both to beat Neil Dockham, but also in all honesty. And I wrote a piece which we'll reference uh, on this around the Qatar World Cup. My day job working for the TUC, we've campaigned on some of the issues around Qatar and so of the trade, wider trade union movement. I recently done a piece with joe.co.uk about Qatar and the World Cup and football being hosted there. And I'm also, to be clear, not going to Qatar. It's not a place I, I would plan to visit even for the football. Uh, so what we're going to really talk about is what are the issues within uh, Qatar, what has sort of been talked about in the last few years, and obviously decisions that the lads uh, and lasses from the Anfield Rap have made around uh, Qatar and their broadcast uh, of the shows there. So moving on to the first sort of opening uh, question, which is slightly open-ended really, but, but sort of starts with the, the awarding of Qatar for a World Cup. Start with you, Neil. The Championship next week's being played in Qatar, the World Cup, is going to be there. This is something of a dress rehearsal, um, seeing as that for the stadiums being used and whether they're prepared and ready for it. When you heard of Qatar, whether it was the World Cup being hosted there mm -hmm. or Liverpool having to play there, what were your immediate thoughts? I think on on the World Cup being hosted there, because I think we all sort of knew it was it wasn't confirmed. But when Liverpool won the Champions League, they were going to play the Club World Cup, and the rumour going around was it'll be in Qatar. So on the World Cup, going right the way back to when it was awarded, because it was awarded some time ago, I remember thinking it was all a bit ridiculous, and it was also paired with Russia, and. What you just said there in the opening I think is really interesting because I think the first thing to take from this is I have very little faith in FIFA or the IOC for that matter. I want to be really clear about that. That It seems to me as though it, there's, a, there's some unbelievably opaque practices that go on around the awarding of these uh, massive scale uh, tournaments to everybody, you know, and I'm not... I want to be really clear about this. I suspect that if we were to get an absolute truth and reconciliation about London 2012 and the Olympics, there would be a few times where some people have, have promised some things over some dinners that you can go, not sure about that. And I think that within all of this, within all of these conversations, as much as possible, and as I've had to think about this, because the big thing that changes when we win the Champions League is doing what we do with the Anfield Rap, just being Liverpool supporters in general, we suddenly have to engage with the idea that, well, we need to engage with this. It's the easiest thing in the world when the World Cup is there in 2022 to play a load of big Scouts not English cards and go it's nothing to do with us governor don't like the look of it 
doesn't seem right to me. And as I said, the same thing about Russia in 2018, for that matter. You know, I think you can go back to the awardings of lots of World Cups, and I'm a bit like, I don't quite understand why it's there. And then you can decide whether or not you're going to stick with that position or think about it a little bit more. And I can completely understand up until when Liverpool are going to have to go there, just sticking with that position and go, and I just can't be bothered thinking about it anymore. But as soon as it sort of impinges on your Liverpool bubble, you've then suddenly got to decide, actually, what do I really think about this? Yeah, and it does feel like it, it's come into people's mindset more now that it's a realistic prospect that you might have to go there. We were able to proffer up a, a view and an opinion when it was going to be lots of people supporting England there. Andy, there's, there's something in this, though, and uh, around the idea of, of this, I think, often just being see, seen through a football prism. This isn't the first big event to go to Qatar. Uh, and is football, I suppose, being treated unfairly? You know, we had the World Athletics Championships held in Doha uh, just the other month. And it didn't seem, and certainly to me, it didn't feel like it was getting the same attention as a place. And Doha was awarded the championships after Qatar had been awarded the World Cup. So is football being treated unfairly? Is that right? Is it right that Liverpool are having questions asked of them where many other organisations, many other teams, in fact, have partnerships with Qatar? Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Uh, I, do, I mean, you, the athletics thing—the only criticism I really saw of that—the the stadiums weren't particularly full. Um, and then there's been, you know, various materials by various authors who, who've done really investigative pieces on on Qatar. What I will say, um, just to be completely transparent with everyone, it's it, it's kind of very similar to how I first came to meet you two fine gentlemen. In so much as the before Dixon Gillette didn't know anything about international financing and how things are done there and you kind of have to cram learning in and then you know I'm not going to lie into I've known about the intricacies and the fine detail of what's been going on in them in the not just in Qatar but in Saudi etc etc until it's dropped on your toes um I think as well I think I think with the the, the question about the reporting is interesting um I don't think there's been an unfair focus I just think the fact that football is reported on so much there's been more coverage of it I don't, I don't think it's going oh well it's alright if the athletics are there but oh because the football's there it's you know the the, the being judged equally is just that because it's football there's more of a focus there's more reason there's more reason to get more eyes on it um, yeah so I mean I, I, I don't know what I will say is what I will say is, and we'll probably get into it later, later in the show, I know far more about what has been going on and what is still going on than what it did, um, well, not six months ago. It did, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that as soon as it was awarded, when they were awarded the World Cup, I suddenly looked into it. Um, I think Neil made a really, really good point there about FIFA reputation. <laughs> it sounds crackers, but because of the mess FIFA made of the awardings of the World Cup to both Russia and and Qatar, it was already, um, I mean, not saying that it's made it measurably worse, but immediately your view of it was kind of something isn't right here, something, something. Let's be honest, when the, when the World Cups went there, my, my immediate thoughts were something, something stinks there, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, there's been, let's call it what it is, I mean, a lot of people in FIFA have gone, have gone to jail or been fired for the jobs for corruption around that. And I don't think that's done them any favours whatsoever either. Neil, that, that thing, is there something in that, that football? Because they've awarded Qatar the World Cup, we are more aware of these issues, and maybe as a consequence, because Liverpool are going to play there, and everybody, you know, wants to talk about Liverpool in various different contexts. 
are we seeing more of this and is that maybe maybe there's a good thing in this for all the comments well, that, that, and so I, I might have I think this is all the, the part of all of this is there's something that I sometimes think and just you know you it's now it's now well known that there was a meeting I uh, had with people from Qatar and that um that that uh, Spirit of Shankly were there and Paul and Anne was there with cop out and me and Andy were there uh, just to offer a perspective and also to listen more than anything. And one of the things that I came out of the first meeting we had, because there's been two, thinking was why on earth have these people wanted the World Cup? Genuinely, one of the things I came out of it was why did Qatar feel as though it wanted the World Cup? And we can go into that more later on and, and, and all the time you talk about sports washing and all of this sort of thing. But the one thing it's done is it's thrown an unbelievable amount of focus onto Qatar, its working practices, uh, the society as a whole, its issue with LGBTQ plus people. It's thrown an unbelievable focus on. And I think, I still wonder if this is one of those things that has and when. Like, I can imagine there's loads of people in Qatar. What we can't do is think of Qatar and even the people who work for what's called the Supreme Committee or the Qatari government, ironically enough, given the way in which the government operates, that everyone's got the same voice and the same view. And that there's a huge homogenous nature of purpose. I don't think that is the case. It would not surprise me if there are some conservative elements in the government of Qatar who are right now thinking, why on earth did we ever want this World Cup? Why was I allowed, was I, why was I allowed to be talked into it? Some conservative elements who did want the World Cup and who were either now regretting it or thinking, no, we'll battle through. Some progressive elements who are thinking, this is why we wanted the World Cup in the first place. And some other progressive elements thinking, I really wish we didn't have this World Cup because it's putting loads of pressure on us trying to be more progressive. Yeah. So what we can't do is think that the, firstly everybody always just thinks one thing anywhere. But as a massive part of this, I am genuinely like now looking at all of this with the Liverpool stuff, with the press there's been recently, the press there's been since twenty since about twenty eleven around the awarding of the tournament, with the the way in which there's now the issues around the blockade, with the way in which the global press operates. I am genuinely astonished that Qatar, if you wanted to keep Qatar as a both big and small C conservative to use western language place that has questionable practices and has an unbelievably obscene outlook towards lgbt people then don't have a world cup there don't have a world cup there and i think what you're sort of saying there is that is there going to be some sort of and will there be because the world cup some sort of profound leap forward absolutely not i don't don't see how that's possible but the flip side is there's going to be loads of people asking loads of questions all the time and i think that a lot of the people who've campaigned aggressively on this have done so far a really good job of putting profound issues into the public domain but that to me then thinks if i'm just trying to be someone as i say who is unbelievably conservative part of a regime then i don't quite understand why i want the spotlight shining on me and i think all of this is one of the things that makes it really really complex and makes even the idea of a white give it to qatar in the first place a much more complex question than just presuming it's stuff that's done in brown envelopes or anything like that because if there is the desire to change the region or to throw a spotlight onto the region, then you can make a pretty strong argument. One of the best ways to do it is to put the world's second biggest sporting event there. If that, if you wanted to do that, like if you were to literally write that plan, that might be something you'd think of doing. Well, coming on to that then, you know, there's, there is this feeling and idea, and, and I think it's a, almost a legacy of Blatter, I suppose, mm. for all his faults, but the legacy was that he wanted to take football around the world. Yeah. And when... Qatar got the World Cup and Russia had the World Cup there was a feeling that it was taking it to places where it wouldn't ordinarily go and help them grow the game is there a role for football in doing that and what are the checks and balances that there ought to be before that takes so place so my biggest thing is the thing I don't want to hear from anyone from any Liverpool supporters from any football supporters in Europe full stop is complaints about when it is in 2022 
And the reason why is because where the World Cup, because it works around the European footballing calendar normally falls, it breaks Brazilian seasons in half, the American season in half. We're unbelievably privileged that so much of football basically works around our calendar in the United Kingdom and in Europe. That so much of it basically works to our timeline and our wants and needs most of the time. So the, the biggest criticism that just makes me immediately want to say, shut up, is is the idea of, oh, well, it's going to ruin the season 2022-2023. Nonsense. Doesn't matter. Shouldn't matter. Other countries are putting up with this all the time. So then the next part of that becomes, do you actually think the World Cup belongs to the world or not? And I can sort of go both ways on this in that there's part of me that would be perfectly happy for the Champions League final every year to be in Germany because we know they'll do a great job. The stadiums will be really great. It'll be safe. Um, the policing will be spot on. Accessible. And you can, it's accessible. And so you can just sort of say, well, let's just do that then forever. Um, and that's fine. And we could just do the same thing with the World Cup, just give it to three or four countries and say, listen, these are the countries that have shown they're the best at putting the football on, and we loop it around. I think if you do want to say it is the World Cup and it belongs to the world, and this is where it is a little bit difficult as a Liverpool supporter, because genuinely, I, I'm not a Scouse, not English person, but I'm not that bothered by the World Cup until there's a World Cup on telly for me to watch. Like, a lot, some of the lads we know went to the World Cup in Brazil, and they all they had a great time. And I was a bit jealous, but I wasn't deeply and profoundly jealous. I wasn't like, you know, I really wished I was there. It was still something that's sort of not quite my thing. So with all of that, I sort of feel a little bit like, well, if you want to say it's the World Cup and it belongs to the world, then it should go to places in the world that are unexpected. It should go to different regions. It shouldn't always just be in Europe. It shouldn't always just be that the games kick off at 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. It should be that it challenges all of that. And I think that's not a bad thing. No. <clears throat> Andy, you Neil's right there about how people see it in a football context and taking this around the world. The the big criticism that's come, and I personally have an issue with on Qatar, is that the people on the backs of literally whom this is going to be built, migrant workers primarily, there's lots of issues that they're facing in Qatar that have been rightly highlighted by International Trade Union Confederation, the ILO, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty... And, and those issues, just to, to cover some of them, I wrote a piece back in October 2016 for the Anfield Rappanand, the Dying for the World Cup campaign, you know, Kafala system, which is essentially you have a visa-based system and your employer controls your right to leave your job and leave the country in turn, workers' rights treatment, so, you know, the, the conditions they were living in, being transported to work in, the heat that they were working in, the debts of workers... The last released figures were in 2013, around 500 workers died that year, 385 of them from unidentified causes. Uh, They've not released figures since. There's a real concern about the the health implications and people literally dying at work in this case. LGBT rights, the the rights of workers, big concerns, which we'll cover shortly around, not being paid on time from these big companies that are building it. When FIFA makes a decision and... You know, to, to host competitions there, whether it's the World Cup or whether it's the Club World Championship, is there a feeling that they should be addressed as a consequence of being awarded it or before well, you're awarded it? Is there almost a qualifying qualifying criteria? There is. I mean, I mean, that's that's the big question. I mean, you talk about the Kafala system. What I will say, and I'm not here to defend anyone. I'm, I'm only here to give my opinion on it. What I will yeah. say is that, you know. And not to say better late than never, absolutely not. My personal opinion, the conditions should never have been as bad as they got before they were awarded it. But then you could, then you, you know, there's the argument that, well, you know, we could have done all this stuff, rightly or wrongly, whether you agree with it, I don't, and I don't. We could have done all this stuff and not been awarded the World Cup. There's no guarantees or the, the Olympics or, or, or whatever it is. Um, look, there's no doubt, and it's, it's still ongoing now, the conditions for workers over there 
aren't ideal. Um, they, they, but also in the same at the same time, you can't deny that steps have been taken. I think I was reading the Amnesty report saying that, and this is where it gets confusing. Um, when we've had the meetings with the Supreme Committee, there's been a very firm focus on the stadium projects and the conditions around the stadium projects. Um, I read in the Amnesty report that only 2% of the workforce were working on those stadium conditions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's hard to really give a... And this is me chickening out, Jay. I'd, I'd rather just be... Yeah, this, is the, this is the reason for us to have this conversation. Um, That's why Neil wanted it. I can only really speak of what we've been told. Uh, what I will say is... What, what did they Neil, tell you Neil, then? What, Neil, was, the, well, what Neil, was the experience yeah, of those meetings well, then with Neil, the Supreme Neil, Committee? Neil, Crackers. Yeah, mad. <laughs> no, Jay, honestly, it, it, the maddest... The, 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 initial, the initial meeting was supposed to go on for, what, an hour? And we were there... For For four. four. Um, so it's hard for me to... I, I can only speak of what we yeah, were, of course. What, what we were told. Um, and then the, the learning we tried to do after it. Now, Neil will probably articulate this better than me. What, the, what they said, and they were quite frank and open, one thing I will give them credit for, they, when we walked in the room, they said nothing's off the table. And I found that, in my experience, I found that to be the case. Um, they went through the plans where they went, where, where they started and where they are now, and they seem to be an accelerate, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, they seem to be a change in the guard a couple of, about two, three 2016. Years, 2016. And things have seemed to accelerate since then. Uh, there's been various bodies in, and uh, the, the various investigations, and th things do seem to be improving. That being said, you can't get away from the fact that this only represents a small minority what? of people. Yeah, what, what I, I, of the migrant workforce? Sorry, when I say it's crackers, what I mean is there's there's loads and loads of things. So what's really interesting is that you you and so you've only mentioned it there once, and you're the first person actually I've heard say it in, in context of Qatar. You mentioned big companies. So one of the things that I've always thought is Qatar is doing X, Qatar is doing Y, and actually what's happened is that Qatar is has essentially all of it's best to almost think of all of Qatar's construction work as privatized with a central governmental focus yeah. so everything that's going on there's privatized most of those companies that are working in Qatar aren't Qatari yeah. they're companies that are from other countries around the world who've, who have either got building companies UK and European construction companies an unbelievable Serious number of for instance yeah. UK and Italian companies out there and they are the ones who have gone out and said they'll do this work and who are part of this using the Kafala system in order to be able to bring employee um, employees in and go from there that's really interesting the first thing that's interesting of itself. The next thing that's interesting is that we talk immediately about Qatar 2022 as though the only thing that's going, in, going on in Qatar is the building of the stadiums for this World Cup. As Andy says, that's only 2% of the workforce. So I can listen to what we hear from the Supreme Committee around the World Cup and I can think that genuinely take it at face value um, and decide I do take it at face value. But as Andy says, it's only 2% of the workforce. And that if they're trying to around the Supreme Committee, create a set of values and a set of practices that they can then push around the rest of Qatar, which is what I think they are in part trying to do, then that's really good. But the flip side is they're only a really, 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 really small sample to do this. And that also part of why there is an acceleration towards 2022 for things like metros and stuff like that, which are the bigger building projects that are ongoing because you need to be able to move people around. Yeah. Well, they don't come under any of the figures that are getting discussed yeah. around stadium development. And this is the concern for me when I have this, when I hear that, you know, they, they, they give explanations for things around the 2% of workforce. Amnesty acknowledged that in their report. But as you rightly point out, you know, not all of the things being built uh, World Cup projects, but will be used in the World yeah. Cup, or will have been used in 2019. And I remember having this conversation with with someone from Liverpool, 
when we knew the club world championships were going to be there. And my my fear for Liverpool, for example, looking after you know them thinking about their reputation is this is that you know Mo Salah, Virgil Van Dijk, Sadio Mane are going to walk into a hotel. Um, a, a luxurious hotel, stay in there, and there'll be a news story from out three years ago. Twenty workers died building but that. They, they, up in and a relative pittance for doing that. But uh, didn't Liverpool? The, the, I, I read that Liverpool pulled out of a of, hotel for this. Of a hotel and Liverpool, that they were offered, Liverpool have checked this. Checked this, and they booked in somewhere else because they investigated. They've done their own investigations. So on, on that basis, and no, but why should they be offered it in the first place? No, but, well, this maybe leads to the thing then about the role of football to make to use this to, to enforce some political change. And just draw you to, to two things. Sepp Blatter in 2013 uh, was asked around FIFA influencing the Kafala system and the Qatari labor laws and said that FIFA can't make Qatar change. The independent ran a story on that. Yet what we've seen in Brazil in 2014 was that FIFA did mm. get Brazil to change the laws, um, mainly around alcohol consumption inside stadiums. So is there not an hypocrisy from football authorities that they won't leverage their power for a wider good, but will for sponsorship? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong on that. And that's, this is back to the idea that a lot of this conversation and the idea of the award and the thing in the first place comes back to a conversation around FIFA. And, you know, if we if we are pulling right the way back to talk 2013, 2012, you end up basically wondering and scratching your head and saying, well, what are the procedures and processes? And do we just get to change the rule book every single time? If that's the case, that we do just get to change the rule book every single time, then we can go from there on that and say, well, that's the reality that we're, that, that we're, we're presented with. And we've got to, that's the way in which authorities like FIFA, and as I say, it isn't just, I'm not just cross with FIFA or just cross with UEFA. I think there's an IOC conversation in there all the time as well. And if anything, they're the, the pioneers of a lot of this sort of stuff. But yeah, I think I, I think it is a really interesting and clear aspect of it that it is unbelievably complex. And I, I, and that's that's one of my takeaways that we can, you can go on and no 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 I was listening uh, that you can that. If you want to say that, for instance, so if it would it be, and there has been unbelievable progress made around the stadia, in uh, and uh, since 2016 around workers' rights, around um, living conditions, around cool invests for, for for workers, that progress. If you want to take that at face value, you can, and I do. I want to be clear about that. But the flip side of that is that it is less than two percent. So if FIFA were going to say in 2013 we need you to change the laws to live up to these sets of standards here, but it's got to be nationwide, or would it just be stadium specific? And this is back to why it's difficult and why there's a clear and ongoing hypocrisy around all of this, which is that we either decide that we we cannot ever use the World Cup or something like it for incremental change and incremental progress, which is what you can argue that has been here. Or you decide that, that you decide that we can never do that or that we can. But then if we do, where do we decide the bases and what's the actual increments before, we're looking for? Before I bring you in then and on. one of the one the, the other side of that and what someone who people may well have seen on social media on this uh, fairly often I think he's been involved in discussions in and around this is Nick McGeehan from yep. Human Rights yep. Watch and there's a CNN uh, article around the 2022 World Cup and they interview the Qatar uh, chief executive uh, for the Supreme Organising Committee and he says they've been treated unfairly, he believes in his opinion very much so uh, and that Qatar is being judged by the court of perception very early on. Now when you look at the Kafala system, you know you mentioned FIFA before, you're right this isn't just migrant workers you know these there were footballers in Qatar in 2013 who weren't being paid their wages and forced to leave and there's there's many stories around that. 
And the, the concern Nick raises is that progress hasn't happened fast enough. And I, when I was looking at this, the Kafala system, for example, which is around that you get a visa as a worker to go and work there, but your employer essentially controls your well, and this was the concern that, that, that struck me about progress and what we see. This was mentioned in 2013 around the awarding of the World Cup, and as, as I say before, Blatter. Then there was a BBC story from 2016, and I mentioned it in my article that there's promises to reform this. In 2017, there was promises to reform this. In 2018, there were BBC articles about the reform of this. 2019, there was articles about reforming this. And in 2020, there's a mention here that in 2020, there'll be a law enacted in January 2020. There's a draft law. Nobody's seen it yet. There's, you know, there's been work with the ILO, and there is progress. There is certainly the attitude to the idea that this can change has shifted. I think the real concern would be is that, and you know, we mentioned sports washing before, and we'll come on to that. But will Qatar get all of the good from this? I.e., they'll have hosted the Athletics World Championships, they'll have hosted the European Champions in in LFC, and you'll get all of those images. They'll get the World Cup out of this, and the the, the change that we might want to see might not have come quick enough. Right, so I get the sense that, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is my impression, I th- Neil Tutton earlier, I think there's such resistance within Qatar. I think you've got, I wouldn't say factions, factions is maybe the wrong word. I think there are, that there, there's had to be a groundswell of public opinion which has kind of forced them. I think, there's, as Neil said, there's conservative elements which, without knowing enough of it, maybe slowed things down. Um, I mean, even you saw some things down, even at ground level, they've had to move the game last week, yeah. which sounds which sounds mad. Um, I think they are acutely aware of what needs to change, but only again we keep referring to this two percent thing, but only what's within their control. They can't control outside of that sphere. Um, I think the 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 will. The, I think that there's certainly the will within the Supreme Committee to affect genuine change whether that whether there's a, there's a countrywide will or the powers that be will f- will follow through on that is, is a different question I mean you'd go on Neil sorry I'm, no no I was going to say that's the interesting thing well, is, well, is, well on this just just before you come, in, you come in on that and you know to, again I've been clear I want to try and be balanced on this and I have my own views but they have taken steps the Supreme Committee off of their back got in touch Spirit of Shankly raised concerns they arranged those meetings they've come over they've listened yeah. by all accounts they also arranged for Paul Aman and his partner uh, Paul is the chair of Cop Out the uh, LFC LGBT supporters group to visit Qatar and Paul wrote a a post on their Facebook page uh, which we can share around one many of the concerns he had uh, about visiting Qatar but but his experiences and largely Neil that that seemed to have been similar to the kind of meetings you'd had an enlightening one one where you learnt a bit more but also a, a, a positive step that I think there's a greater appreciation of where Qatar's are even if you would like them to do more yeah, I think I, well, speaking to them, and again, not just speaking to them and sort of credulously nodding along to everything that's being said, people are using phrases like um, workers' welfare forums around the, the, the work that's going on in the World Cup uh, projects now. And then the idea is that the workers' welfare forums push out across the rest of the, the other parts of the workforce. It's, there is a problem here where I go, so trade unions then. 
yeah, can we have trade unions? And in, trade in unionism thing, is illegal yeah. Yeah. Uh, there. And then I go, well, I don't want trade unions to be illegal. You know, what I don't want is the idea that this stuff's grace and favour. Yeah. And that's immediately the, the stuff that goes well, to you'll turn head. a blind eye well, to yeah. you being LGBT. It's illegal and you can be killed for it, but they haven't killed no one for it. So we're almost saying, oh, well, aren't they nice? Exactly. And I think that across the board, this is the sort of, the, you know, all the conversations are remarkably complicated. And I hope that if there's one thing that comes out from this is that it is, it is, you know, do you want there to be incremental change? Because what I would like genuinely is for the people that I've met, and as I say, people who I've got, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not going to say, as I say, that we listen credibly to everything they said, but I listened to what they said, and they seemed as though there was a direction of travel that they genuinely wanted to go in. They had bodies of evidence from external bodies they were able to call upon. Some of it's been cited so far in this conversation that there's been progress and change, especially since 2016, and I would quite like them to win the argument in the nation of Qatar. Because don't get left, I want to be really clear about this, that the main thing I took away from those meetings was that there's an argument that's going on in the nations and in the corridors of power of Qatar as to exactly what Qatar's meant to be and what it wants to be and how it wants these laws and these practices to operate and I think that that's almost the most important thing you know that one of them actually mentioned in the meeting about there was an example of collective bargain that had actually happened in the last sort of couple of months and he, he did so not as a it was, it was like he was proud of the fact that there'd been some collective bargaining proud of the achievements around making companies auditing companies on who paid the finders fee because what a lot of these companies had done was take the finders fee from the workers wages yeah. and they were pleased that they'd been able to put that back in lots of examples of them and again I'll say the other thing about these companies is these companies are not or often not Qatari companies they are companies that are British, that are Italian, that have other na other nationalities around them, and so much of it made you think that there's this thing that's happening in the middle of what's effectively a desert, which is the and so much of it reminds me of 19th century Britain. The idea it's very the, politically co complicated yeah. around there at the minute, anyway, with one thing with the blockade, etc. And so on. yeah, great public works that come and have come at a cost of lives in a 21st century environment where the world is watching, where simultaneously lots of the attitudes are at best 19th century. And I mean that both towards the workers, the staff and the way in which they're treated and in terms of the conversation around, for instance, homosexuality. And you're trying to bring, and as I say, I'm going through these meetings and I, you know, I, I studied history and a lot of the history I sort of studied was, was Labour history. You know, a lot of it made me think of Lord Lever of what's literally a port sunlight right now. And I was... It, when I, as I say, I, I'm like, I would love you know, even like the, the the proudly saying, and I understand why that they've worked on the nutrition of the workers. And there's part of me that wants to say it's not your place to tell them what to eat. But the flip side is they're thinking, well, we're trying to. This is a welfare question. We want to work on the workers' welfare and working on the diet. And then you think about, well, we've got dietary programs in this country, etc., etc., etc. But there's these things that sort of run through your mind when you're in these conversations, where you are left to sort of say, okay. Do we think that we've got the world right? Well, at the minute we're recording this, there's a general election going on and it really doesn't feel that way. But do we feel as though we've moved in a... Yeah, of course we do. Do we want other people to move there? Yeah. So do we do that by having a door that's open or a door that's closed? Well, this is a question I, you know, I, I, I set out at the beginning that I wouldn't want to go to Qatar. It's not a country I, you know, certainly have on my bucket list of places to go to. But I have almost, well, not almost, I have questioned that amongst myself because it, it's because I can see the lived experience for workers building yeah. this now. This almost idea that, you know, they're, it's built on their backs and on their lives. But equally, you know, I've had to acknowledge that there's probably lots of places in the world I've visited that I haven't seen that happening because it's not in relatively recent history where that's happened. Well, you know, would you, we, would you people would, Well, that was what I would say. People, you know, would go to Egypt. People yeah. would, you know, travel across Europe. They will go and watch, you know, I've been to the Colosseum and marveled at the Colosseum and that will have been built on and literally as, you know, the ground in which many people were, were killed in the name of entertainment, let alone it being built. So... 
is there a thing in this, Andy, that we're almost having to, or we are applying our own values and principles, and should we? Bloody hell, Jay. Um, <laughs> I didn't promise it was going to be easy. That's why I'm glad I'm sat on this microphone and not your one today. Christ alive. Um, I think where I am with it, I think where I am with it is, again, I just feel like I'm part of Neil, is, is the closed door thing, you know, do, do you, are you going to deny, are you, are you going to close the door on them forever on trying to progress? Do you know what I mean? And, and yet, for me, you've, you've always got to start somewhere. And that somewhere might not be somewhere that you particularly like. It might be a horrible position. It might be, you know, it might be horrific. And it, it has proven to be, whether it's workers' rights, their attitudes towards LGBT. But... Are you ever, forever going to close the door on them and deny and deny them the opportunities to try and enlighten themselves? I mean, one thing one thing that did strike me when I was reading through the materials he sent over is the amount of migrants in the country. A million now, more than there was in yeah, 2010. Yeah. Now, whether they are ninety-five percent of the workforce, or, or, or whether, but whether whether they're primarily the workforce, or whether I mean, just reading through Paul's thing that he put on cop out, he, he was he said he described it as very cosmopolitan. You know, almost westernised to a certain degree, but only to a certain degree. It's like a Truman Show kind of bubble where certain things still go on. And to me, if <laughs> there seems to be as slow and frustrating as it is, from what little I know, a direction of travel in a certain way. And is it going fast enough in that direction? Absolutely not. But is slight movement better than better than no movement? Is what I'm. It, that, I mean, that's the that's that's where I'm at with it. That, well, go on. No, that's that's that, that is the it's part the key question, but also is everybody playing the part? So I think there's a really interesting thing you mentioned Nick McEachan before, and I think it's like the work he's doing and the awareness he's trying to raise is really important. And I can imagine there's people who are listening to this who may even have actually been in the meetings that me and Andy have been in who are thinking, well, it might be for you, but it's not for me. But then there's a flip side of that, which is the work that they're doing is really really important as well. Mm. And I think that at times what we want from political processes is the idea that there's there is one clear shining path that we should just all follow and step into whereas as you know better than anyone in the room jay but at times concessions and change are really really hard won where there's an issue with this is that essentially and you phrased it the right way before is whether or not it's cart before horse so is the the world cup is the reward you've given the reward and now you're trying to get the the concessions in that you feel as though the, the, the reward deserved and that's a really absolutely valid beyond valid criticism of this process and i can see why that is the thing that really sticks in the craw for a lot of people um the flip side of that is that there are there can be and has been and have been things going on for for centuries but specifically in that region right now where there isn't for instance a sporting event to point at but there are for instance huge bits of both sports washing and public works going on well not public works but huge works going on in for instance Dubai that people aren't particularly talking about or haven't talked about and one of the reasons why is because they haven't there hasn't been putting themselves at the centre of an event like this yeah. and I think you know going right the way through all aspects of this there is a if we are going to want to to say I mean and it's really and another part of this as well and why this is difficult is because you've currently at least got three people in the room I suspect five given there's a couple of people sitting in who can very much see where football and politics are linked yeah. and why it's really interesting Liverpool have ended up in this is that more than I would argue certainly anywhere else in the United Kingdom uh, Liverpool link football and politics 
And, and so therefore us winning this throws yet another light on this because as you said before the football club there's some hotels they shouldn't be staying in because they don't want the negative publicity because it will be negative publicity because it's Liverpool there, there, there is the one thing and there's a weird parallel to this and you talk about big sporting occasions World Cups Olympics whatever um, the effect the transformative effect that the Olympics had in Barcelona back uh, I think in the 90s 92. in 92 and then you've then got Qatar's first big involvement with football was actually the sponsorship of Barcelona Football Club. Yeah. Um, and he just sort of throws up, throws it like a slip. But, but what's Neil made the point at the top of the show? What is the point of all this? Like, what what's the what's the end game in this? Because I I certainly can't see it being a finance. I I can't ever see them recouping the amount the the, the financial yeah. outlay. So if that's not the and we all know how much capitalism drives. Well, the well, basically. So if that, if that's not the case, and that's not the end goal, then what, what, what is it? Well, I think the feeling from some is it's it's reputational, and just just to move on before we come to some of that towards the end. And obviously, it's something we, we've we've sort of gone into there is the the questions you might ask yourself around this. Obviously, when you first spoke to me about doing this show, Neil, it was a call, and it was you know what you had discussed and thought mm. about about the idea of whether you should go to Qatar. What of you decided to do then what has what's Tor decided to do for so Qatar and the Club World Championships? We've decided to go. Um for me there was three there was three options. Um and at first we chose the wrong option. We chose the worst of the three options. What was the option? So the, the there's three options. One is to go and cover it as we would any European any Liverpool European style game, certainly a final. Mm-hmm. Second option was to uh, do it from home, uh, armchair it, say we're not gonna go to Qatar but we'll watch it from afar. Liverpool win, big party in town, we're all made up, uh, up the Reds, have a post match show. Third option was to boycott it completely and say that because of the the way in which it's it's come about, the issues that are around workers' rights and all of that sort of stuff. They were the three options that we had. The weakest of those options, philosophically, morally and politically, is actually the second one. That what I at least concluded and, and, and shit argued for is that is that's a shit house. And it was the one yeah. that we originally thought we'd do. No, no, we won't go. But what we'll do is obviously Liverpool will get to be world champions and we'll have a lovely big chat about it and it'll be nice. So we'll still have that nice bit, but not the. But we'll have the nice bit, but we won't have any of the experience bit. And we won't go and we, we, we will keep our hands clean, but simultaneously be able to have the party. Yeah. And that to me felt like, no, 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 you're either going to become part of this. And that was part of why it was making that decision prior to almost the first meeting that we're engaging with this yeah. that we could have easily just left it to, to Spirit of Shankly and, and Cop Out who would have done a, you know the brilliant job they've done anyway on all do. of this that they did do anyway but we could have just not been part of that and we could have helped facilitate it but just gone you know what nothing to do with us Gov and instead we went into the meeting we sat we engaged we listened me and Andy we then there was a, there was a further meeting that was had in our offices um, with again the same parties present I had to run off and do a wild card um, but <laughs> left the fella who's just the head of the Supreme Committee of the World Cup <laughs> What an evening, wild card. What a wild card to do, mate. Um, you know, you should want to ban this film. Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. Should have got him on and got him down. You'll be all right. Um, but it was it was on a Friday afternoon, and genuinely, I had to say, I've got to go and do shows. The, but the, there is a, you know, we could have chosen to say that we're, we could have chosen doing nothing to do with with us, Gov. And what we're doing instead is we're going to go. Um, and part of going is to see it and to come back. And part of doing this show is to start talking about it. And part of what I'd like to do after the fact is talk to some of those people who were in that meeting both from the point of view of cop outs and spirit of shankly and also from the point of view literally of the supreme committee because 
I've still got concerns that are pretty mundane. You know, I've, I'm like I'd love to know how they think they're going to be able to do a World Cup in 2022, <laughs> given where they're up to and everything that's going on. But I don't want to have that conversation now until I've gone and looked and experienced some of it and gone right. This is where this is, and this is where this is. And again, I want what I didn't want to do and don't want to do is get into because we don't do that on these shows, and there's a number of reasons why. But what I wasn't going to do is have someone come in and just get mugged. Yeah. Like here's all my Amnesty International reports. Talk about this. Whack it in front of them. That's not fair you know I think that there's there is the idea of wanting to bring people in and, and hold them to account certainly but not you know I'm not in this to effective effectively become you know a uh, Roger Cook uh, one for the teenagers there uh, figure of trying to absolutely door stop anybody so all in what we want to do is but there's something else as well which is there's another story here which is we also need to tell the story of Qatar there's people in Qatar there's people normal people insofar as it may not a lot of aspects of their lives might not be normal to us but people in Qatar who've got jobs and lives who support the Reds or who don't support the Reds and I thought there was a really good piece on The Athletic about this where one of the last things the fella says is just cover it fairly Yeah. and I feel as though we can't do the next bit of this and revisit loads of these questions which there will not be definitive answers to until we've gone Andy? The one thing I would the one thing I will say but the thing I took most from the first meeting we had with them um, is how acutely aware that they are of the perceptions that people have of Qatar. I mean, without without going into the detail, there was a specific example cited. And I think they know the base from where they're coming from. And also I think they, as much as they can do, have tried to, or at least are trying to own that perception. Mm. Um, and again, I'll go back to what I said earlier, whether, whether there's the will uh, from the higher uppers or whatever to change that, uh, like change that long term and make lasting change is is a completely different question. But as Neil quite rightly said, until you, I think you can you can talk about it a lot more when you've actually been out there and judged for yourself. Do you think you'll get? And this is this is probably going to be a hard question because Dan Rowan asked this one of Anthony Joshua, and his answer to it was less than impressive. Will you see, though, that real side of the Qatar? Is there a real sense of this? Because Anthony Joshua got asked this, didn't he, in Saudi Arabia and sat there and said, oh, well, they all look like they're having a great time. And it's like, well, yeah, mate, you're sat in a hotel, restaurant or bar, not sat at the scene of a beheading. You know, what's... Do I think we'll get it? No. Yeah, no. What I hope happens is there's other journalists. We're not journalists as well, and this is an important thing to remember. The Anfield Rap tells the story of supporting Liverpool from the heart of the city. There's other people who tell the story of supporting Liverpool, sorry, tell the story of Liverpool Football Club, and there's other people who tell the story of Qatar, and there's other people who tell the story of World Cups and who tell the story of major events. So do I think we'll get... My answer to that is no. Do I hope that people whose job this is more than it's ours do that Might then yes and they lift the lid and then what we do is as we do it full stop not just on this topic on a number of others we'll then read what they write engage with that and engage with that material and then have that be part of what we do after Qatar whatever the form that takes and that's what I really want and hope does happen and that's why I, for instance I mentioned that athletic piece there'll be other journalists who are going to go over and they will be good at journalism and they will do that whilst they're there uh, and they will find stuff out and they will go and they'll speak to people and they'll engage with that you know but in general this is go. This is always going to be the difficult thing in that I don't think we're going to get, as I keep saying it, we're not going to get an answer to, firstly, even the moral questions that we've discussed here. But secondly, you know, we're not going to, in three days, and what's effectively three days because we land Wednesday morning, the game's Saturday, you know, so you've got Thursday, Friday, really, where, you've, where you're, not, you're not having to operate with other things going on. We're not going to be drilling into that. What I do hope happens, though, is that, the, and this is part of the focus, and part of why I wanted to do this show is I want, 
our audience and our listeners to be part of that focus. I want them to wrestle with these moral questions that we, we've met, wrestled with yeah. here and then we continue to wrestle with because I think that they're really important. And I think that to do the job, and I think they're really complicated, and I think to do the job properly around firstly our aspect of it but also the wider football's world and this is back to what I said before everyone's got a role to play the campaigners have got a role to play the ILO has got a role to play the ITUC has got a role to play the Supreme Committee's got a role to play Uh, everyone here's got a role to play and I think it's really important that that happens and one of those is you know, people knowing, for instance, who listen to us and listen to us bang on about all sorts of trivial nonsense that we didn't make an untrivial decision lightly. My, my, well, on that, Andy, you'll have, you'll have, we'll have grappled with concerns and you know, what how might this make you feel? What you know, what questions, difficult ones might you get off subscribers one way or another? Whatever you decide to do, what's your what what were those concerns? What what ultimately do you think you can get out of this? That that is, you know, aside from covering the Reds, hopefully be world club champions. You know, what do you think? you get out of this at the other end? It's not so much what I think you get out of it. I mean, we're, we're going to go over and we're, we're going to cover it. Um, I think it, it's the, the the fears that I have um, post-tournaments, whether this is World Club Championship or whether it's post-World Cup. The, the one thing that kind of does nag at me, um, and this isn't to denigrate any of the, any, any the, 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 the stuff we're talking about, work is right to one thing or the other, oh, and it even encompasses that I would hate for this for Qatar as a country to put on a face for the sake of the length of the tournament or for the World Cup or whatever to the LGBT stuff let's call it what it is almost as if you know for like the duration of the tournament the week or the two weeks LGBT people are okay but when they leave exactly yeah yeah, you get like a hall pass for the week and that's fine but then as soon as and Stonewall have raised that concern absolutely that's that that is that's because if that is the case then well you know, it's only confirming what everyone else is is, is saying about them, and you know, th- 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 there's a lack of sincerity in that. Uh, but then that leads into the bigger question. But what I asked earlier, what what is it they want from this? Do they want to try and? But that that's the, that that the the work is right. It's the legacy stuff yeah. that that worries me. Is it is it just for the sake of putting on a smile for the cameras when when there's something big going on, or is there a legitimate appetite to, to, to make to make lasting change? And the legacy stuff for the whole region, it's, it, I mean, there's a, there's a programme anyway beyond Qatar, the whole region, and one of the early things in, in what come over and what they put in their original World Cup pitch was that the region needs 75 million more jobs by 2020. There's a lasting thing about bridging cultures, and bridging cultures goes both ways. You've got to cross the bridge in both directions, and I'm sure Liverpool supporters will do that when they go to Qatar anyway. Uh, by the way, it's not going to be quite as warm as everyone thinks, just bear that in mind. Yeah, uh, just just, just before we finish then, because the, this is a nuanced issue and it's, yeah, yeah. it's very difficult and you have clearly grappled with it as, as many people will have around this journalist team whose job it is to go and cover lots of these things will we'll grapple with this. There's the concerns, but it does seem like there's also opportunity in this as a consequence of, of Liverpool playing there. Personally, as individuals, would you go... If it hadn't have been for Liverpool, do you think Qatar had been on your list? No, not at all. But yeah. I think as part, but you know, as part of that though, that's literally that's what Liverpool has been. That's what Liverpool and football has been doing for Liverpool supporters since the late seventies. You know, the, one of the reasons why there's an enormous attitude towards Europe in Liverpool that is different to other aspects of the United Kingdom is because Liverpool embraced Europe and European football, the journey and the adventure more than other places. Liverpool's taking you to these places. Yeah, and I think that that's part of why this matters. And when I say about bridging cultures, that's really important in terms of the opportunity. What I want. And what I'm part of why I've not wanted to necessarily interview or talk to on a show anyone from the Supreme Committee before we go 
is because I actually think that if we are serious about this conversation, then we're serious about having a conversation similar to this in 12 months, six months, three months' time. Yeah. Like, if we actually do care, rather than it just being something that you can put in a piece, if people, do, if we do actually care about Qatari workers, then let's be asking about Qatari workers in three months, six months' time. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not in any rush to do like a summing up around this as far as I'm concerned from a Liverpool point of view this doesn't finish when the trophy is hopefully lifted this now if we decide that we're making this part of that we've had to think about this and wrestle with this then it's an ongoing thing and I think that therefore I think people going to live it see it experience it even just them people who can't afford to go or don't want to go but also seeing bits and pieces on television the responsibility is present to keep asking the questions and for us again to all play the role that we've all got to play and I am prepared to take, as I say, at the face value of the good faith. People didn't have to come into a meeting with us, just as we didn't have to go into a meeting with them. But they are people who, who are trying to engage and wrestle with some of these questions on that Supreme Committee. But the issue that they have is, as Andy has said repeatedly, they are less than 2% of the public works that are going on in Qatar at the moment. So there is so much for them to do, even if they do it really well. And certainly up until 2016, 17, you could have a fair few conversations around that. Yeah. And then that's a matter of starting from a base and incremental progress. And I think that's the thing. And that's why I understand all the frustrations and all the questions, because has the incremental progress been enough? Did the start come too late? And has the base always just been far too low? Yeah, well... I suspect there'll be lots more. Those people are yeah, I suspect there'll be lots more on this. Uh, certainly in or around Liverpool playing there next week. Certainly in the run up to twenty twenty two. I hope people have found that at least insightful to understand that it is a very complex issue. There is no automatic right or wrong answer even for those who hold very strong views on it uh, there are no even of those organizations that are extremely critical there is no none that are particularly saying Qatar shouldn't be allowed they're just asking Qatar to change just usually at different speeds hopefully Liverpool being there next week casts a, a spotlight on some of the big issues and certainly a World Cup will as well I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening thanks to Neil thanks to Andy and thanks to Lizzie for producing Sports Social Podcast Network.